Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show is about helping creative people thrive. My name is Andy J. Pizza. You can follow the podcast and my work on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Quick announcements here. Just a few little uh, housekeepings. I don't know if that's what's what they say. Anyway, here's the deal. Number one, uh, I'm going to be opening some creative consultant uh, hours. I had to. I haven't opened them since summer. Um, they usually fill up pretty quick. If you want to look into that, go to creativepeptalk.com and sign up for the newsletter and you'll be notified when those go up. Um, I'm, I'm honestly thinking about uh, the future of how I'm gonna approach this uh, between the class that I did last year um, called the MFBA and the one-on-one sessions that I've done. Uh, you know, I've realized that this is probably what I think I do best and probably what I'm most passionate about. Uh, I just got to figure out the right way to fit into my schedule. I wanted to launch some this week, but I had a bunch of deadline stuff that I was working on, so I couldn't. But I'm going to try to open it up in the next couple weeks. I'm also going to I'm gonna probably, probably do opening some of those one-on-one sessions that are one-offs, but I'm also exploring some bigger relationships with a handful of people that are more ongoing. Um, and uh, so yeah, I'll stay tuned to hear about that. Also, I do a lot of uh, 
a lot of stuff like the podcast on my Instagram where I share my thoughts. Sometimes there's like a little daily pep talk, stuff like that. You can go check that out at Andy at Andy J Pizza if you want to receive extra pep uh, in your week. All right, let's get into today's episode. So we are in our creative philosophy series. This is sadly the last episode of the series. Oh man, it's been a wild ride, right? It's been a good time. Now, in these series, unless otherwise noted, just so you know, they're more like Seinfeld episodes than they are Breaking Bad. You don't have to listen to every episode. They're all standalone, but they just they, there's a thread that runs between them. And this thread is, uh, what does it take? What's the philosophy? Uh, what are the virtues that lead you to creative transcendence. I noticed that all philosophers have their theories about how to live life in such a way that you get to this heightened state, this before and after place where you used to be this way, but now you're this way and it's transcended. Uh, Pyro called it ataraxia, the state of tranquility and and bliss. And uh, the Buddha called it nirvana. And uh, I call it (laughs) creative transcendence. And it's this place where you're doing the work that you're meant to be doing, that you're pumped about doing, that you're joyful about doing. And these virtues that we explore in each episode are the things that I think lead you to that place. And, uh, you know, I study a lot of creative careers. I'm like a a student of people's creative careers. And I notice these same core virtues in the people that go on to thrive and find this transcendence over a lifetime. And uh, that's what this series is all about. You can go back and listen to the other episodes. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the next virtue on our list. Uh, I would say, listen, I know every episode in this series I said, secretly, this is the most important virtue. It's even more important than the other virtues. And I don't know if this virtue is more important, but I do think that it is uh, the... One of the things that I notice in somebody, if I notice this virtue in someone, it gives me peace about their future because I think, you know what? They're going to be all right. They're going to figure it out. And the virtue I'm talking about is resilience. Resilience, which if you go look up the definition of resilience, it's actually fascinating. Uh, It basically says bounce back, the ability to get smacked in the face. That's not the Webster definition. Uh, Smacked to the ground and then bounce back up and it calls it uh, elasticity. And I think about it like this. So many creative people, they get out, they think they're going to go on this creative journey, the creative path, and uh, they're driving in uh, a Corolla, right? (laughs) A Toyota Corolla. And uh, they get there on the path only to find out that they need a vehicle with a lot more uh, suspension. I'm not a car guy, but that seems like the right word. Basically, a, a, a car that has a lot more spring in its step, a lot more give, a lot more elasticity, because the path is rough. You need like a Jeep Wrangler. Is that <laughs> sounds like uh, something that could bounce a bit? Um, but you need the car that is going to be able to go over this rough terrain because the creative path is full of uh, pitfalls and road <laughs> what, uh, 
road bumps, <laughs> potholes, and all kinds of jazz that you got to bounce through. And, uh, and actually, you should expect it. And in this episode, basically what I want to do is completely alter the way that you see the word obstacle. I want to change the way that you interact with letdowns, pitfalls, despair, all of the, when something doesn't go right, brick walls. I want you to see all of those, not only as things you expect to happen, so you're ready, you got the vehicle with the suspension because you know that stuff is coming at you because this is not going to be an easy road, but to see it as uh, not just neutral, but amazing, positive. And when you hit those obstacles, I want to, at the end of this episode, I want to convince you that when you are tempted to be like, no, not another obstacle, to say, oh, yes, come on. Now, I know that's a big, tall order, but I want... I want there to be a level of gratitude in you when you hit these pitfalls. And I think that there is some supernatural, universal magic when you can get your headspace into this place. And uh, here's what I think it looks like to have that resilience. And, And this is kind of where I see it in other people. It's this idea that you can... Convince yourself 150% that the next idea that you have is it. Whether that's a new market you're going to pursue, a new uh, marketing technique, a new style of work, whatever it is. You have the, um, the passion and the stupidity to think this next idea is it. Go try it. Get your butt handed to you. The world smash you in the face and say, that was not it. You fall on the ground, bounce back up and be like, oh yeah, of course it wasn't it. Yeah, I didn't even really think it was it. Let's, oh, it's this thing. This, it's this, this next thing. This is it. And, you know, early in my career, uh, first, let's say five years of my career, I felt like a lot of the people around me, and part of it was maybe because I talked too much or I was trying to like hype myself up. Uh, on the ideas that I was pursuing, trying to convince myself, to, you know, pet my pet my own step, <laughs> uh, and get excited about what I was pursuing. Um, but I feel like the first, let's say, three years of my career, I feel like a lot of people around me got sick and tired of me saying, you know, oh, I got a new idea. And this bad baby is the one, this is going to be the one that leads to creative transcendence. I didn't talk like that. I didn't have the the bold stupidity that I have now to talk about transcendence. But basically, that's what I was saying. Is I thought I I stumbled upon that idea. I found it, and I'd psych myself up so much so believing that this was the thing that I'd really give it my all. Because you really do. You got to give it your all. You got to try it. You got to be. You got to really investigate. Is this the one thing? Is this the ne- Is this the right next road? And then fall flat on my face. And, uh, and have the elasticity to have the resilience to get right back up and be like, all right, next one. Let's, that, that wasn't it. And uh, this is the thing we're talking about today. We're talking about you have to be the tree that when the storm comes, it bends and doesn't break. You've got to have the off-road vehicle that has the bounce, that has the suspension to go over the crazy terrain that, that isn't so rigid and so... Uh, uh, 
so romantic and has their heart set on this particular expression of your creativity that it's got to be that thing. And when it doesn't work out and you fall on your face, you don't stay there, but you have the bounce back to get back up and stay excited and stay dedicated and, uh, and, and stay on the path and keep trying it. And if you can master this virtue, uh, you have got something. And let's talk about the different ways to approach setbacks, obstacles, and brick walls, uh, different mindsets, different approaches that will lead to developing this growth mindset instead of the fixed mindset. This mindset that says um, that the path that I'm on, the path I'm looking for, uh, needs to have obstacles, needs to require um, struggle and strain and me growing. Uh, and, and the path that I'm looking for is not the road that leads uh, of least resistance. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Let's do it. So we're trying to change the way that we see uh, obstacles, pitfalls, setbacks, and and for me at least, in my experience, when I was trying to find my creative path, I don't know why, but something in me was looking for this uh, this road that was just simple, easy, uh, carefree road of least resistance this this place where if it's the right thing to be doing there shouldn't be any obstacles it should be all open doors right there was something in me and i think i don't know if it's uh if it's because of being an american in this this convenience state where everything where you know we're told if if we if it's not easy if there's if there's something wrong in our lives there's a product that we need to buy to fix that I don't know I don't know what it is but there's some distorted thing in my mind that I had to unlearn that said if I'm on the right path there shouldn't be any obstacles and I just think that is the furthest thing from the truth I think that you should see obstacles as the landmark the 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 proof that you are going the right way, and uh, and and that's kind of what I we're, we're we're exploring. And here's the thing: the first thing, the first way that I want you to change your mindset about obstacles, the first little magical way of of uh, putting that old mindset in a headlock is uh, is saying that obstacles mean that there's still treasure. It's a landmark on your path that tells you you're on a path that leads to legitimate treasure because and here's what i mean by that that if the road is so well traveled if it's if if thousands and thousands and thousands of people have gone this way then it's going to be like an airport like an airport is the picture of uh least amount of friction for travel, you're you go in there and uh, you're you're you don't need to take anything to exist in the airport. You you go there if you need a coffee, if you need a drink, if you need food. They're all along the way. You start walking. All of a sudden, you don't even need to walk anymore because you're on one of those airport walkways. You're you're like, oh man, I'm low on charge on my phone, and there's 18 charging stations, like. 
that thing is built to have the least amount of friction for travel. Now, I'm tempted to go off on other rants about how crappy airports are, but, but all of those systems and all of those mechanisms, they're there, they exist. They're, they're an industry that's set up to, to make your path of travel the least uh, inconvenient as possible. And, uh, and I feel like those are the types of roads that we're looking for, but I think rather we should be looking for paths like the path on the Goonies where there's skeletons and the skeletons, the obstacle, uh, the, the, the landmark of a skeleton tells you that at the end of this path, the treasure is still there. And I think that we think that we're going to go out there and do this creative work and that it should just be lined with guardrails and charging stations and tutorials and five easy steps on how to, uh, to, to do this thing that we want to do. But if all of those things are present, the treasure is gone. And the whole idea is that your existence... Uh, is not to repeat someone else's. You don't exist to repeat someone else's existence. And your creative work and your creative path is not going to replicate thousands and thousands of other people's. And let me just tell you it in practical way. Like, I feel like I got into podcasting at a really good time. It wasn't ideal. I wish I would have got into podcasting in 2010. That's when I wanted to do it, uh, but I was too scared and the obstacles were too too frightening for me. There was too much to learn. The, the learning curve was too steep for me at the time, but I'm glad that I got in uh, in 2014 instead of today because today, getting into podcasting is like an airport walkway. Every single thing. You, you literally have apps where you can start a podcast in three minutes and you have microphones on your phone that are good enough to start a podcast and you have infinite amount of resources and conveniences that allow you to make podcasts, which means the getting is gone. The treasure's been had. There's no more skeletons on that path. And uh, I'm not telling you you shouldn't start a podcast. I'm just saying it'd, be, it'd have been better if you started when there were giant obstacles. And when I started, there was a lot of learning. I had to do a lot more research. I had to set up hosting things. I had to do all kinds of things because all of the systems weren't in place to make that a frictionless path. And actually, I want to encourage you to go out there and search for the paths that still have the friction, that still have the skeletons, because those are the landmark that says there's still treasure. And so if you hit an obstacle, I want to encourage you to not say, oh man, I'm going the wrong way, but say, this means there's still treasure at the end of this path. Okay, the second thing that I think you gotta change your mindset on when it comes to obstacles and setbacks and roadblocks and disappointments and all that crap, when that when they hit you, instead of thinking, why me? Thinking, an obstacle? Hmm, this is my teacher. 
Obstacles are your teacher and they are the secret key that gives you the ability to unlock your transcendence. You cannot do it without the teacher of obstacles. And uh, I like to think of it through that lens like Thomas Edison was asked, you know, did, were you disappointed? Uh, how did it feel to fail a thousand times before you invented the light bulb? And Edison replied with something like, I didn't fail a thousand times. Uh, the process of inventing the light bulb had a thousand steps. And each one of those failures was one step forward towards actually inventing it. And I think that every time that you fail, every time you hit an obstacle, you've crossed off another possible path that you no longer have to wonder about. Uh, you've, 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 you've erased another hypothesis, which leads you closer to finding the hypothesis that's going to win. And this has been true in my own creative career. So I, you know, I'm an illustrator and I'm a speaker and, uh, when I was, uh, when it comes to speaking, public speaking, when I was in high school, I could do, uh, I could make a fool of myself to such a degree that I wouldn't read a book and I would get an A on an oral book report because I would just go up there, ham it up, act like a complete buffoon and probably just, you know, make that person's English class, uh, <laughs> way more enjoyable than uh, than another book report of someone stood up there shaking and not saying anything. So that you know whether that's good teaching or not, I don't know, probably not, but I, I, I was able uh, through public speaking um, and, and goofballery <laughs> to, uh, to to get good grades on these things. And so I always thought you know maybe I'm kind of good at that kind of thing. And then as I got older and I had some opportunities, you know, right a few years after I graduated, I had the Indie Rock Coloring Book come out from Chronicle Books. And uh, I got invited to do this Pachachka, I think it's called. It's these five-minute talks where historically um, you have to keep the audience captive. Uh, and there's going to be like you know, they're going to be talking and, and it's just not going to be a quiet lecture environment. And I thought, you know, I have history here. I know how to, to be a nut job and get people's attention. And I also kind of assumed that, uh, that although it might not be a lecture environment, that it would, that people were still there to listen. Right. And, uh, I didn't think of it like, uh, an extreme sport. And so I went and talked about the Indie Rock Coloring Book and I had, I practiced, I planned, I thought about how I wanted to approach it, what was the right posture. Uh, and I had an hypothesis basically of how to create this presentation and what it should do and how it should function and what, what, what were my points? What was I going to say? And I went there and I got up in front of the crowd and even before I started talking, they were extremely loud and rowdy. And they actually gave me a little bit of time to kind of start and gave me a chance. But I think that I had kind of the wrong hypothesis. I went in uh, with the wrong attitude, the wrong posture, and quickly 
I was completely drowned out by the crowd. And I was devastated. Those five minutes of my life were the most excruciating social uh, experience that I've ever had to date. To be up there and to have to finish talking and telling your presentation to a group of adults that are openly critiquing you. It's like bombing. Uh, I imagine it's like bombing as a stand-up comic. And I was absolutely devastated. And I went home and I, and I really thought, I'm just, I can't go through that again. I can't do, I'm not going to do public speaking because it's just, uh, there's just too much at risk and it's just too emotionally exhausting. And even though I should have known that that was a really unique experience, uh, it it just really put this terrible taste in my mouth. And then uh, maybe a year or so later, I got an opportunity to talk uh, at at a local event where I get to talk about my work. And again, I, I took the hypothesis. I took that setback and that, uh, and I got, you know, knocked on my butt and I tried to think about, you know, what did I do wrong? What did, how, and, and formulate a new hypothesis about what it would take to do a good talk. And I came up with my idea. I planned, I went and, uh, got on stage and about two minutes into a 20 minute talk, I realized that that hypothesis was wrong. <laughs> Whatever I thought uh, would have fixed this. Now, they weren't as rude because the environment was different, but I could just see on their faces that they were uncomfortable with, with the way that I had approached this talk and that I'd misread the, what I was supposed to be doing up there. I don't know if you've ever been there where there's just this weird tension of like, he doesn't know he's supposed to be talking about something else, but I'd misread it. My hypothesis was wrong. I'd taken some risks that were the wrong risks to take and I could feel the pain. There was so much pain up there as I'm finishing uh, 18 minutes of uncomfort. And so after that, I really was like, mm, you know what, this is, I, you know, I don't know, maybe in high school I got lucky or it was just, you know, you could get by by just being a moron, but I can't do this. It's not for me. And so it was years and I, and I kind of avoided any opportunities, definitely was not pursuing the opportunities to go speak places. And I had this, again, another local talk. And someone was like, we'd really, we think you would be great to come talk. And I think you have some insight. You should bring, uh, you know, some of your ideas to this situation. And I was so nervous and I was so like, I don't want to do this. I want to explore this again. I, I had very little elasticity, very little bounce back, uh, in me and they kept hounding me. And so finally I agreed, but it was at this time that I started to let go of all of the things that I thought I knew about how to approach this and really prepare, really study. And I, and I went and listened to talks. I went and read uh, people's 
experts advice about what makes a good talk and I really thought about what is this audience looking for, what is my place, what is my posture as I get up there and I planned and I rehearsed and I got up there and I did the talk and about two minutes into it, I knew I had cracked open something in my life that was on a whole other level than anything I'd ever done in my life. And for the, the following 18 minutes of that 20 minute or 30 minute talk, whatever it was, I was tasting that, uh, uh, that creative transcendence, that feeling of this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it was only because of those setbacks and those pitfalls that I learned from that pushed me, that, that stretched me into new things that I went and searched for and found things in myself and found things out in the world that turned me into something new so that I could level up in that moment. And if it wasn't for those setbacks and it wasn't for those obstacles that were teachers, I never would have found that place. And if it wasn't for the bounce back, if it wasn't for that willingness to get back on the horse, I wouldn't be doing this podcast today. That talk directly after I did that talk and I felt that feeling and I got into that moment, I decided I was going to figure out a way to make this a bigger part of my illustration career. And, and, uh, and that eventually led to doing this podcast. And I wouldn't be talking to you today if those obstacles, those terrible experience, experiences hadn't been such good teachers. Last one we're going to talk about, last way to shift your perspective uh, of these roadblocks and obstacles and setbacks. The last way that I want to encourage a paradigm shift in you is this, is, is seeing your obstacles as the key to sweetening the reward. I believe, and I've experienced in my own life, that Your joy is in direct proportion, is is directly and proportionally linked to your suffering. And uh, man, do I hate this principle. When I first heard that, when those ideas, when I was a youngster, a teenage Andy, I was like, no, thank you. Uh, There's actually uh, a great line by Modest Mouse that uh, that's profane and I try to keep it clean so you can listen to it with kids but he says something like uh, if it takes beep crap if it takes to make bliss then I'd rather never see anything beautiful ever again and just means Look, man, if your joy is directly linked to your suffering, then I just won't have any joy. But if you've ever experienced true joy, you realize that actually you're up for the game. And when I got into my creative career, I'd say the first year was a year of beginner's luck. 
There was a lot of lottery winning. There was a lot of uh, uh, everything working out. Path of least resistance vibes, just going from strength to strength for about the first year. And I feel like we moved back to the United States from the UK at that time. And, you know, uh, I must have been unbearable <laughs> because I feel like, you know, everybody wants to be the guy who is given everything that they want with ease, you know, just inheriting all of the blessings and uh, never having to really suffer for what you get. Like, I feel like there's a part of your brain that thinks that that's what it wants. But guess what? That person, that's not the hero in the story. That's the villain. That's the person that is entitled to what he wants. That's the person that, uh, <laughs> that we don't root for that person. We root for the pitfalls for that person, to humble that person, to teach them about life, to deepen their maturity and growth. We want the hero that when they want something, they have to work for it. They have to stretch. Those are the stories that uh, motivate and inspire us. And uh, I feel like my first year out of college, I had more in common with the villain than the hero. Not, not because I was uh, doing horrible things, but just because I had hit this path of least resistance and this upward spiral and this lottery winning where I, was, I got a lot of cool stuff right out of the gate. And, I, and I'm sure it came with entitlement. I'm sure it came with, uh, it's so easy. What are you guys, why are you guys messing around not just doing this thing? It's the easiest thing in the world. And, you know, it was great, but it was, it was superficial pleasure. It never, it, 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 instead of being grateful, I was entitled. Because I hadn't really deeply worked for it with blood, sweat, and tears. And about a year into it, I went into freelance, and six months later, all of my work dried up, and I hit rock bottom, and I had to go get the only job I could get that wasn't minimum wage at a youth shelter to pay my bills and pay my mortgage and, and take care of my family. And, uh, Freelance illustration kicked my butt. And while I was down there on the ground and I was at the bottom, I spent some time there before I bounced back. But eventually, I mustered up enough courage and strength to give it another go. And this time, there was no beginner's luck. I slogged away at making tons of stuff, making contacts, emailing people, making connections, making new work, working on my style, working on my skills. You know, I did a personal project where I did something new every day for a year, and for the first 150 days, like nothing happened. No luck, no lottery. And it was in this period of time where I was, I had those dark nights of the soul, those like, what am I gonna do with my life? Like, I don't have any other things. I went to school for this. These are the only skills I know how to do. I've got a kid and a mortgage. What am I gonna do? And real anxiety, real uh, desperation to figure out how I was gonna get out of that zone. And it was that suffering, those obstacles, 
that meant when a year, two years later, when I'd be standing in, uh, you know, one of my hero's studio spaces in New York City, because thank, because I'd worked for it and I'd, I'd, I'd uh, made progress and I was standing in these opportunities. I was standing on stage at Icon Conference uh, doing my little talk in 2014 when I would get that email from Nickelodeon to do work with them. It was because of all of that suffering. It was because of the obstacles that meant when I left that studio in New York City that I was overwhelmed with joy that brought tears to my eyes. That when I got that email from Nickelodeon, I could have sobbed because I'd because I'd, I'd worked for it. I'd hurt for it. And that measure, that, that depth of suffering gave me a capacity to feel joy that I'd never believed possible. And now, it continues to today that I have this heightened awareness of when I watch movies or watch stories and I watch people struggle, it brings tears to my eyes. It moves me. And I believe that obstacles are the key to sweetening the reward. And there's this twilight zone that is just completely fascinating. And in this twilight zone episode, there's this uh, thief that that gets killed um, while, he, while he's stealing something and uh, he's in the afterlife and this guy comes up to him and he's like, hey, welcome. Uh, you can have anything you want here. And the guy's like, all right, take me to your house and uh, I'm going to take whatever I want. And he's like, all right, let's go. And they go to this giant mansion and there's just anything that you would ever want. And in that mansion... Uh, he's like, all right, can I just eat and have whatever I want? And the guy's like, yeah, this is yours now. Do whatever you want. Take whatever you want. And then they go gambling and he wins every single time over and over and over again. And uh, eventually getting every single thing that he wants over and over and over again, the wins completely lose their flavor. And he's like, hey, uh, you know, it's not that fun to win every single time. I've kind of lost my joy in this. And then the guy's like, all right, how many times do you want to lose? And he's like, no, no, that's not what I mean. Like, he's like, yeah, but you can have whatever you want. And he's like, look, I mean, gosh, I thought heaven would be a, a, a lot more enjoyable than this. And the guy says, who said anything about heaven? Who says that you're in heaven? Ah, man, that's chilling, right? Getting everything you want exactly how you want it, when you want it, will not produce the levels of joy that working for and overcoming obstacles to get what you want will produce in you. And so when you hit an obstacle, you say, ooh, sweet baby, this is what's going to make that reward that much tastier. Just a little warning, uh, kind of a trigger warning. In this next uh, last section in the conclusion of this episode, I'm going to share some things that 
uh, come from my darkest days and that we're going to talk a little bit about uh, suicide. And so I just thought I'd give you a heads up that we're going to go in that place in case you are not in a place to uh, hear about this. Now, if that's something that you've grappled with, I encourage you to listen to this next section um, and, and, uh, and hopefully get something from it. So, so, um, I kind of had planned to make this episode a, a gift for Andy from the past in his darkest days. Um, you know, maybe I'm just really emo. I don't know (laughs) where I just get, I feel things really deeply and maybe my life has been, um, you know, uh, really easy and fantastic. Uh, and I just perceived it differently, but there were lots of times in my past, uh, teenage years, early twenties where I was in a really, really dark place, uh, deep anxiety, uh, stress, um, and uh, depression, looking forward in the future and, and being very petrified of what was to come. And actually, you know, as I'm like reviewing some of this stuff, I realized that it was darker than I actually had given it credit for. Um, and actually, you know, I, the reason why I really want to address this is that that I think creative people are perf- are, are squishy people to use Frank Chimero's term, uh, pretending to be professionals a lot of times. Not all, not everybody. There's a lot of creative people that are more like the rigid engineer type. Um, you know that that uh, that doesn't have a lot of feelings going on. That isn't emo like me. Uh, but you know, I go around and I talk to creatives and I meet them and I work with them and and you know, I think the thing that I'm struck by the most is that. These are artists. These are squishy creatives. These are people with this giant capacity for human experience and emotion. And we have to suppress that and we have to quiet that so that we can be professionals and exist in this society and thrive in this society. And yet, that squishy part of us, that emotional part of us is still present under the surface. And we still grapple with these, with these uh, ultra highs and these deep lows. And I am not, uh, I am not, uh, I experience the same things. I am not, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I'm, <laughs> I experienced those things too. That's what I'm trying to say. And, you know, I look back and I, and I realized only recently that in high school, uh, that I had had a lot of, so I've never shared this publicly. I've very rarely shared this privately. I'd only really talked to my wife about it recently because I'd only realized, um, that it was true recently. Cause I kind of think I had repressed it to a degree. But early in my uh, high school uh, years, I had some deep bouts of uh, despair, depression, and ultimately 
suicidal ideations, which I think is, could be surprising to you because I'm the creative pep talk guy. And actually that's why I wanted to talk to you about it because um, of everything that I'm doing now and, and everything about the person I've become, uh, I want to do encourage anybody that has had those dark days or those dark seasons um, that you're not alone and that there's hope and, uh, and, <clears throat> and even crazy goofballs like me have gone through that. And I looked back and I realized that there was a time where I'd written uh, a suicide note and I hadn't planned on actually taking action, but I was kind of just exploring the idea as an option uh, to get out of this emotional place where I was. And I remember telling people, some people that were close to me, that I didn't want to kill myself, but I didn't want to, I just didn't want to live anymore. And I'd written that note and my parents found it. And they took me out of school that day and my parents, my, my dad just sobbed on the couch and just pleaded with me and asked me, like, what do I need? What, what's going on? What, how can I help you? And I've really forgotten about all this. And, uh, and those were my darkest days. And I can tell you right now that I am so glad that I bounced back from that place. And I'm so glad that I'm here to encourage and inspire and, and motivate and speak to you in your, your good days and your bad days. And if I wasn't around right now, I would not have the privilege of pepping you up. And so I'm deeply gra uh, grateful for that resilience, for that bounce back. And I want to encourage you, you don't know who's going to need you in the future. You don't know the kind of impact you, even if uh, your wildest imagination cannot invent a future that you want to be in, I want to encourage you to see that obstacle, to see that setback as, uh, 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 as a key to unlocking universes and realities that are so much more cosmic and so much more grand and so much uh, bigger and more joyful than you can muster up in your limited imagination today. And stick with it. You got to survive before you can get to thrive. Stay with us. Stick with us. You know, I think there's a lot of truth to be learned from story. I'm a big uh, fan of, of story structure and understanding what moves us and why. And nothing moves me more than the hero in the story that gets beat down once, twice, three times, gets all the way to the inch of their life, gets all the way to that place where it seems like everything is lost. There's no way to set things right again. And maybe they're down on the ground, breathing their last breaths. And then something happens 
and they find something that they would never found and those obstacles are like a fire that purifies uh, the gold. It tears away all the hypothesis, all the ideas about themselves that they thought were how they were going to make it through that made them strong and it purifies all those things away and all that's left is this new discovery, this new inner strength, this new either they find something in themselves or they find something outside of themselves and even though they're at the the last uh, edge of their life, they get a fresh wind and they get up and they're more powerful than they've ever been because the obstacle and the beat down unlocked the transcendence. And there's, I love that part in the story where everything seems to be lost. They're on the edge of losing it and they find something inside and they get back up and for the first time the villain is scared because they don't understand what's happening and they've unlocked a new level and the obstacle has allowed them to discover something about themselves that they never knew and even though they were on the brink of losing it all they're stronger than ever. And when you hit an obstacle, here is what my encouragement is for you. When you hit an obstacle, when you get beat down, when you hit, get really hit with something that makes you uh, lose hope, that, that frustrates you, that puts you in that, that despair place, I encourage you to think of these three things that we talked about in this episode. That if it's an obstacle, that means there's treasure. That the obstacle is your teacher and that the obstacle is ultimately going to make the reward tasty. That's the three T's. I did it on accident. (laughs) Treasure, teacher, tasty. They are the key. The obstacle is the key to unlocking that thing that you never knew you had to that ultimate strength. You can't get there without the purifying power of the obstacle. And I have found in my life that there is this crazy 11-dimensional magic that happens. This, tr- this real transcendence that happens that when you get hit and you're on your last leg and you're down on the ground, if instead of complaining, instead of the temptation of losing hope, if instead you thank the obstacle, you're thankful, you're, gra- you're, gr- you're grateful for this beatdown, There is a new strength. There is a magic that happens. Just this week, I had some tricky stuff where I feel like I'm being bullied by uh, some, some contractual obligations, some things that I think people are trying to do some stuff to me that is not fair, try to keep me from doing what I feel like I'm here to do. And there was a moment when I'm in that despair and I'm like, oh, not another obstacle. And gosh, I'm just, please that I said, you know what? Thank you for this. It must mean I'm on the road to some treasure. Thank you because it's going to teach me something new. And thank you because when I ultimately break through this brick wall, the victory is going to be that much more tasty. It's not good grammar, but it feels right. And that's why I said it that way. There is a magic to being grateful for the obstacles. And I believe if in the face of the villain that's in your way, 
you say thanks, that villain will for the first time show a little bit of fear in their eyes. Look, I may have a PhD in pizza, but I am not a real doctor, and this is dead. I'm dead serious about this. Uh, we talked about heavy stuff. I talked about things that I never planned on sharing with people, um, but I felt like, uh, you know, in a position where I have some people listening to what I'm talking about and talking about some heavy things, that uh, it was kind of. Something I, that I felt like almost irresponsible by not sharing this and, and tackling something that is such a real thing that so many creative people deal with. And so, if you have uh, suicidal ideas or or um, or that kind of darkness in your life, uh, get professional help. The three T's in this episode are not enough to uh, to 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 prescribe for this go um, there's the national suicide prevention uh, hotline you can call that at 1-800-273-8255 and uh, and you can call that and get some professional help Uh, do it because you do your imagination is so limited about the future it is so minuscule about the cosmic possibilities that could happen in your life and that one person that's going to need what you've learned and what you've gathered on this path in 10 years from now that you're going to change their life and they might go change a thousand people's lives you might have 10 to 20,000 people uh, that need what you're going to bring to the table in just five years and it's going to give you so much joy you can't imagine it's beyond your comprehension there's so many times in my life where I had hit some real Seeming, uh, seemingly dark news, uh, and things went around and, and turned around, and, and um, were so much better than I ever thought possible. And when everything seems lost, uh, I just encourage you to believe that it's not, and uh, go get professional help if you are in a dark place. And and really, that's the point of this episode. You know, I want to encourage everybody um, through their hard times, um, but ultimately, I want this episode to be. Uh, uh, a, a lifeline and a, a uh, 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 I don't know some, something that stops you in your tracks and takes your mental health and your, uh, and your humanity and your squishiness seriously uh, there's too many creative people that we've lost um, to the darkness and uh, don't let it be you we need you you, you can't possibly imagine how bad we need what you've got. Um, so go go get help. Uh, thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for other tunes. Thanks to Alex Sugg for editing this podcast and also providing some tunes. Uh, I'm loving his uh, uh, additions. He makes some gorgeous tracks that that are just so perfect for this show thanks to all of you guys for listening each week and uh until we speak again stay pepped up